Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Rich Rebar. On Fridays, we uh, get into it. All of our sports bets, we kind of do it along the super contest format where we, we pick our five favorite games um, against the spread. We had a, a good week last week. I, I got to say, the amount of people who, who consider themselves sharp or who are, who are winning betters, who, who bet against Patrick Mahomes getting points, it's, uh, it was not very flattering on, on Twitter that evening, Rich. I mean, we felt like, you know, hey, we were going to be super square. But it came down to just being as simple as, like, you're going to let me have points with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to take him. I understand that we were with the public on that, and we were rubes. But uh, it wasn't even a show. It wasn't even a show on Monday. It was That game was over in the middle of the second quarter. It, it made me feel – I, like, felt bad for Lamar, though. Like, I, I like, actually was, like, was I, I felt bad for him. Had. Worst yeah. game he's ever had in his career by far. Um, and we've still seen this now at the Ravens. Now, until it happens, like, they're ne- until they can punch themselves out of a situation, it's always going to be a question, like, what happens when they go down 10 points? What happens, you know, the- until they can get out of one of those spots, we're going to always question that. And they're now Owen – Lamar's now 0-3 against Mahomes heads up. So, I doubt we see them even where the- wherever the-, the next time they play is, uh, that we see a- us get a hook, catch a hook even with – it- No, it'll be, it'll be Kansas City <laughs> two and a half is what it'll be the next time they play. And it's the- – the Baltimore thing is so interesting, and we'll get, we'll get to the-, the picks here in a second. But it's like when they're ahead, it's just like how could anyone ever stop them on offense? Like you're watching and you're like, how could you even try and defend this? Like it looks like Lamar – just get six yards effortlessly. And then, you know, Gus Edwards is, is cranking out first downs and Mark Andrews is like bodying, you know, smaller defensive backs. And it's just like, I don't know. I've never seen a team play so differently with the lead or behind it. It really is like very crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, and Lamar missed some throws. I mean, Marquise Brown was behind dudes repeatedly in that game. And then Andrews drops, Andrews drops a touchdown uh, you know, they really only score off the kick return. But the Chiefs, I mean, it was full Andy Reid. Like, you saw it on display. I mean, he was out here running, you know, quad sets and uh, lineman passes and the fullback shovel passes. Like, it was all it was on display. Andy Reid had a lot dialed up uh, for that game on uh, Monday. And then also, you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes on half the snaps. Like, you can't – like, it's already been shown, like, he's a lot better against the blitz than he is zone. And he's good against everything. But, like, he's – you, you just can't outright blitz this dude. And the Ravens were just sending dudes repeatedly at, at him. And he, he just ate, ate the blitz up the whole, the whole time on Monday night, um, which has been norm for his career. You can't just, you can't just blitz him like the Ravens did on Monday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that in a weird way, I mean, what you want to do against the chiefs is you want them to just run 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like that's a, you you would prefer them to try and play that style of game. So like yeah, like lots of lots of soft zone, you know, lots of light boxes, and uh, you know just beg them to run the ball against you. Like there there will be a smart team that does that against Kansas City this year and 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 beats them doing it. Well, the first two teams tried. That was the approach for the both two, both uh, teams. Yeah. You know, Gus. We talk about the zone thing. I mean, Gus Bradley. That's all they run is zone. You know, uh, his whole scheme. So we've seen that. We've seen the Ravens go completely against that. And you know, Mahomes was under seven yards for passing attempt the first two weeks of the season. And the Ravens said, "Now we're just going to dial up and let him. You know, we're going to play man coverage and we're going to blitz him because that's what we do." And uh, they they died on that sword real hard. Yeah. The yeah. play where they blitzed him to McCall Hardin, where he saw the blitz, knew where it was coming from, and literally kind of just retreated to a spot to, to where he knew to throw it. I mean, that that play just in itself, like. It's just like, yeah, it's that's where the Chiefs kill you. Um, you can't just like go man coverage and blitz those guys all game, because uh, you will you will die a real quick death. And it doesn't matter. Like people keep bringing up about the Chiefs' run game. Like that's the thing about the Ravens is they were running for seven yards for carry. But when you're allowing the Chiefs to just score quickly, you can't stay in that game. Unlike the Chargers the week before, where they're saying, yes. all right, like you have to go down and have drives on us. Well, you can score on us, but like we're gonna make you run a lot of plays, and then in turn we'll run a lot of plays, and then the possessions get shrunk. The Ravens had the opposite approach. They were like, well, we're going to try to keep running the ball, but we're giving up points quickly. And now if we don't score on the next drive, we're giving up more points quickly, and then you can't run the ball at all. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, then they're down 20 points or whatever. Because you have to remember, I mean, a team like the Chiefs, like they don't care their run defense is bad. Like it, it, we can no, yeah, they don't stats. care at all. And in fantasy, you want to play backs against the Chiefs. They give up buckets of yards, but like in reality, is they don't care that their run defense is bad at all. Their pass defense is good, and it has been good dating back to last year. And if you're in a situation where they go up ahead on you and you have to throw, it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> not the blueprint of how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Would not, would not, uh, would not study that game film uh, if you were a coach going against yeah. them. All right, getting into our picks. Uh, I'll let, I'll let you go. I'll let you go first here. I, I am outside of my top two picks. I am feeling very low levels of confidence intervals this week. Yeah, this is a week and I, um, where I'll probably play a lot more game totals than just uh, straight lines this week, especially cause they juiced a lot of these overs. And like, I think this might be a good week where we see some of these come under just because the lines are so crazy now. But uh, my first one is going to be a team we talked about that just had that awful game plan. And only cause the points are so high here that I'm going to have it this low as the Ravens. Um, and, and just because of byproduct too, I think we, like we talked about the slate. I mean, this, there are only a couple of games I'm like really, really supremely confident, but this is a prime bounce back spot, you know, for the Ravens. I know it's two touchdowns, but since hiring John Harbaugh since 2008, they are 45 and 25 following a loss. It's the fourth highest, uh, record in the NFL since since the 2008 season Lamar Jackson is coming off of his worst game as a pro and honestly you know he's had 25 career starts and it's the first time you know from a fantasy stance he's been outside of a QB1 and back-to-back starts and in, in, in over those 25 starts I think it's a good spot to come back the Washington just couldn't cover seven and a half against Cleveland a team that got boat raced by the Ravens in week one it just seems like a good bounce back spot. I know it's a lot of points and uh you know I definitely probably wouldn't go a full unit laying them but uh because it's so many points but the, I'm going to go with the Ravens here just because I think it's such a good spot for them. So let me let me let me uh, give you some narrative street on that. Like, dude, the, how tilted are the Ravens that they just got blown out on national TV? Like, uh, my my thought would be if there was going to be a game where Harbaugh was like 
you guys want to have some fun? Like, you guys want to go out there and put up 50? Like, you want to play You want to play in the fourth quarter, Lamar? You, you want to do, uh, like, a pistol read option with Robert Griffin? Like, this is the game to do it. And, the Heisman you, package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if they would actually do that because if Lamar gets hurt, you know, their season is such a disaster. But, I mean, if there was ever going to be a game where he would get an extra series and, you know, get the first drive of the fourth quarter or something – Coming off of that national TV embarrassment, this one would definitely be it. Because Harbaugh, dude, Harbaugh is like an emotional guy, right? Like he, like he's a he's a big rah rah guy. Like I, I could, I could see it. Or at least I'm talking myself into it because I like this bet as well. Yeah, and then we talk about the the best thing about the Washington football team was their defensive line, and now Chase Young's going to miss this game, and Matt Ioannidis is now out. Looks like for indefinitely uh so you take two pieces away from the defensive line too which was their only like tangible piece of a team that you could talk yourself into being functional because uh, offensively they're a disaster i mean we are counting the days down i don't think haskins is going to make it through the season uh no yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get kyle allen uh do do you think that we see alex smith this year does he come in to throw one pass maybe i don't know i mean it would it would be a great story. I would hope so. I mean, it, for Terry McLaurin's sake, we should hope so. Yes. Yeah. Still, you we have a text thread with like you and Evan and I, like JJ and Pat Thorman, and, uh, and uh, I know you guys are still firmly in the Logan Thomas camp, but uh, I've seen this guy run, and he's like swamp thing out there. Like I, I think I'm out on Logan Thomas for the foreseeable future. Well, that team just lost no offense, so we have uh, we have no we have no like we got to do it like we got to here. I guess my thing with Logan Thomas is even if he is that's first off, I don't think he's that slow. Like I think it's like a little bit of an illusion. I don't know his 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 combine stuff would suggest he was faster than that. But granted, that was like what are they listing him at? Because I guarantee you, it's it's short. Yeah, he's probably forty pounds heavier than he was coming out of college. That's because yeah, because he switched. He went from being a quarterback to being a tight end. I guess my my thing with Logan Thomas is he just is so cheap on these daily fantasy sites, and and they keep like keep throwing him the ball in the end zone, like not even not even in the red zone, just straight up in the end zone. So you know he could he could um. Who is the the old oh, Kobe Fleener? Like he could Kobe Fleener his way to like a tight end eight season just off of a bunch of like two yard touchdowns. Because I mean, you, you tweeted this the other day. Tight end is it's a nightmare. There are no good. T- there well, we have Kelsey. Theoretically, we have Andrews. Kittle's been hurt, and we have. I mean, Ertz has been terrible too. Really, there's one good fantasy tight end. Yeah, and we've had some promise. I don't, actually had a decent amount of pushback on that because people would say, well, I got Johnny Smith. And I'm like, yeah, well, Johnny and Fant at, like, have shown promise. And, like, Hawkinson's knocking on the door. He's trending positively. He just hasn't kicked it down yet. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Kelsey's been good. Andrews has had two bunk weeks in a row. I know it's only three weeks in the season. Kittle's been hurt. Ertz has been bad. But now it's just Ertz on Ertz Island again now because every, all the Eagles are dead again. Uh, but other than that, it's been bad. I mean, Hayden Hurst was, like, you know, a guy I was kind of, like, interested in. He's been bad. Tyler Higby's not his snaps are going out every week his routes run uh it's 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 just a bad position it's I hate for fantasy it's rough man it's a real tough position yeah it is uh okay so my number five pick Dallas minus four and a half I actually thought this would just be six um so I like I like the number do I have faith in the Dallas defense not leaving that back door open uh absolutely I do not I think that back door is going to be open for the entire second half basically it also it just wouldn't shock me outright if Dallas found found a way to lose this game but this offense through three games has been so 
prolific. They have gained uh, 150 more yards than every other team in football through three games. And Dak, I know he, he threw the interceptions last week, but he looks pretty great. The offensive line is terrible. That's a real issue. I, I think my hope this week for them is that they watch the film, they're doing some self-scouting, they're doing some self-diagnosis, and they're like, we got to stop throwing the ball uh, 10 times a game to Zeke because he's so, oh. like, those, those Zeke targets are, are wor- like, worse than a run. They're terrible. So my, my hope is that they are eliminating that a little bit. And that, uh, late, that, that late game screen pass they ran, oh. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> That team's dedication to Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, find you a partner in your life who's dedicated to you the way the Dallas Cowboys are to Ezekiel Elliott because they, they, stand, they stand behind him. They will just do anything to make him happy. But, I mean, Dallas is just a much better team than the Browns. Like, even, even if you wanted to, like, look defensively, um, like, the Browns' defense is not great. Like, the Browns are going to give up 35-plus points a bunch of times this year. Like, so I'm, I, I think – Dallas is the better team. I even think they're probably better coached. Like, I have you seen anything from Stefanski yet that's made you be like, oh, he's like a really good offensive coach, play caller? I, I haven't really. I mean, they just kind of done their thing the last two weeks. Actually, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter of that game with against Washington last week. And ended up yeah. pulling <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they could easily, you know, if they lose that game and we're back to, oh, the same old Browns and that you just seen that graphic because it's the first time they went over 500 in like 80 games or whatever. Uh, the one thing I am worried about this from the Dallas side is that is that offensive line just the matchup? It, it, so they, they're a team like they've got to get ahead early because if they have to, you know, play like they've been the last two weeks where, say, the Browns come out, maybe even get like a, a random turnover or – they are able to run the ball and kind of control script and reduce kind of these, this play volume Dallas has had, you know, chasing points. Uh, Dak was in the first week in week one was under pressure over 40% of his dropbacks. It was like third highest rate in week one. And the past two weeks has been sub 20% against two teams that just don't rush the passer at all. But the Browns with Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, you know, Adrian Claiborne, they've got a, a mismatch against this Dallas offensive line right now. Uh, and it could be something like we saw against the Rams. Like the second half of that game, the, Dak's been great outside of, that second half of the Rams game. And that was when just dudes were in his pocket the whole time. He was like under, he was like under five yards attempt the second half of that game against the Rams. So if like the Browns can put heat on him and it's the protection's a problem. Um, But I'm with you. I thought it would be higher. The line it's not, it's not on my card, but I'm interested in it. I'm interested in the under in that game too. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you still that Dallas, I believe Dallas is a supremely better team than the Browns, but uh, I am worried about that offensive line. There's just something about Dallas that, like, kind of like how Seattle has, like, never played a normal game of football. Dallas kind of has that thing, too. Where, like, you know, it, it feels like it doesn't matter what Dallas does over the course of the first three quarters. They're going to end up playing a fourth close quarter game. Like, it just feels like that's going to be their destiny this season. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but uh, they, they're, they're fun games. Uh, I've Literally every Dallas and every Seattle game I just want to watch, man. It's, their games have been amazing so far. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's your, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, the Colts. Um, it's minus two and a half. Uh, I think if it was any, anything three and up, I, I would probably have a little more caution on, but because it's only two and a half, I mean, I, the bears are easily the most fraudulent three and O team in the NFL uh, by, by a, like a wide margin. Um, the defense is good. I mean, Foles will probably help them out a little bit, but uh this is a team that was trailing big to the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> a week ago. Uh, 
And the Colts are one of these teams that I think are just going to be like so boringly good like all year. Um, and I know that week one they kind of we had the oh Philip Rivers in the same moment you know and he kind of blew it at the end of the game, but uh, they're gonna like have like an efficient passing game. The defense is I like I like a lot of the pieces they added on defense and uh, like me and Dan Bazuda have talked about it. You know them getting DeForest Buckner, you know Ben Bagnu, and they've got good pieces there. Uh, I just don't believe in the Bears at all. Really is all I'm saying <laughs> here. I think that the Colts play a boring game. They probably get a turnover or two uh, and get out of here in a game that's probably close still because I don't think the Colts are going to run away from everybody but I think anything more than uh anything less than three is good still for the Colts side yeah I mean just why I don't I don't believe in Nagy I don't believe in Foles I don't believe in the Bears defense like that I the, my thing is is I also just don't want to be betting on Philip Rivers you know one of the all-time <laughs> point shapers like this I I think that I in a weird way like I think if this was like Jacoby Brissett or something at quarterback like I would be like I'd be like yeah dude I'm I'm all in I mean I think the Colts are I think the Colts are better than the Bears and I actually think that this is a really good bet because the Bears are being overvalued in the markets right now just based off of like an extremely fluky 3-0 start or maybe not even extremely fluky but it just like they're not a 3-0 team you know what I mean like like that's just not not indicative of their true talent level so yeah, I'm I'm completely like this one was not on my list, but certainly like if I if I had to pick this one, one way or the other, I would uh, I would definitely be on the uh, cold side. So my uh, my fourth one is actually it's really the same thing as this, where one team is being overvalued and one team is being undervalued based on last week's results, and it's the Arizona Cardinals minus three against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are getting overvalued, I, I think, big time because of that win against the Chargers. Then the uh, Cardinals, you know, that uh, they just were not good uh, against the Detroit Lions at all. Kyler, you know, fought, had some had some growing pains, basically, in that game. But uh, where, well, I guess what's your take on, do you think the Cardinals' defense is any better than it was last year? Still trash. I mean, I, I think clearly the offense is better, but I don't have a real opinion on whether the defense is worse or, or, or better. I think it's definitely a little overinflated from the opening two weeks, and we saw that. I mean, remember I was on the Lions last week. There, there I was on that side. Just the points are too high. Uh, because, man, Kyler, like – as I mean, the, the cart's just a little ahead of the horse on Kyler because he's been phenomenal with his legs. But even dating back to last year, he has been he's just been a below average passer. Like it's just just flat out. And 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 it's not that I don't believe he can't get there because I mean you watch him, it's effortless for him. I mean the way he moves around, the way he, he's at the baseball arm, like the dude's got a rocket. But his it just hasn't added up. And I actually think it's the offense that doesn't do Kyler favors. Like it's they make him throw all these like you know all all this just mesh crossers and then just like quick hitting like uh, slants and comebacks to DeAndre Hopkins like 10 yards and in on the left side of the field the offense doesn't really do him a lot of favors they throw a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage uh, a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage still um i just i just question if it's not a, a like a supremely great fit i think he can get there but if you look at going back to last year i mean he is at the bottom of the league. Like it's not even like floating around like the mid levels for like a rookie quarterback. Like he's at the bottom. He's there again to start this year. If it, if he wasn't running, I mean, he's 33rd and like, you know, passing points per attempt, uh, you know, behind a guy like Dwayne Haskins. It's, and it, it's something, something's just off still where it hasn't gotten together. And it's maybe the pieces around him, the system, or just, you know, him growing. Uh, it, it just really hasn't come together. And like, Carolina's defense has not been as bad as we thought it would be. They're still terrible against the yeah. run, but their pass defense has been okay. Um, 
And part of that is because teams are just running all over them. But uh, I'm with you on this side, though, because, I mean, you go back to week one, it was the Raiders were laying three. So, I mean, we're say, basically saying the Cardinals are equal to the Raiders. I guess that's kind of fair. I want to say that out loud. Maybe I thought that on paper, because the Raiders, I guess, are pretty equal. Uh, but, I mean, it's the same spot, and the Raiders covered that game. Uh, so, I'm with you. I think that Arizona does go out and cover. They've been good going east with Cliff, too. They are 4-0 against the spread in the eastern time zone. Uh, last year they were. So, I mean, it's it's a good spot to go back there, too. I do think Carolina is definitely being overvalued uh, on that side, too. But I do I want to see Kyler make the passing jump, though. That's what I keep waiting for. Because uh, the MVP tickets were, were, were getting cashed way too early. Well, I wanted it. I wanted it. Um, let, so, let me, let me push back a little bit on the idea that Kyler hasn't – well, okay. Is he is – he, um, Mahomes, is he – like, is he – one of the five best passers in the NFL right now? I don't think so. I think that a couple of the things that we see in his data, though, are reflective of the offense, where first off, he is being asked to throw a lot of short passes, which is like that'll make your numbers look weird in general. But also, he's being asked to throw to Keyshawn Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, I mean, and even if we're if we're going to be truly honest, right, if we're going to if we're going to give ourselves some truth serum, I don't think Christian Kirk is very good. I think that I think that Christian Kirk has kind of proven himself to be a like actually in a weird way, kind of like you know uh, a tr- uh, a Treadwell, a Doxon, but they just never benched him. Like he he's an actual NFL draft bust, but he just has never been benched. Like like he like those guys just got replaced by their own teams, but Kirk just never got benched. He just he just is going to get to play out to the end of his rookie contract. And I mean, what well, they're tight, Dan Arnold, Max Williams. I will say Kyler, um, something he was not great at at Oklahoma that he has been better at in the NFL is actually his deep ball to me looks better than I thought it was ever going to be. Like some of those back foot throws, he had one to Hopkins last week, he had one to Isabella in week two. I mean, those were like just total uh, bucket drops, basically. Like I, I thought his he's been better awesome. at his that. His arm is awesome. Yeah. Obviously, he's got that, like, say, he got the baseball arm. But, yeah, I, mean, I believe he can get there. It's not like one of these things where, like, he's out here like Dwayne Haskins and, you know, he looks like, a, you know, subjectively like the worst quarterback ever. Um, but, I mean, we need to – we need some of that efficiency to pop, man. That's what we want the system to be in general. Yeah. But, but yeah, he, with you, we talked about Kirk, I think, two weeks ago when we talked about how we, Andy Isabel should just be their field stretcher and they're, like, pigeonholing Kirk. I feel like Kirk is, like, the kind of talent that, like, he just doesn't have, like, a place, right? Like – He's not like uh, he's not a deep guy, and he's also not like a like just like a, a tertiary slot guy. So he's like kind of a no man's land. Like he's kind of a no man's land. Like kind of a you find find a hole that he fits in, and I don't think he really fits any of the parts of the this this system. Yeah, I I actually was just thinking that like the thing that makes the most sense now for them to do, and they would never do it because. Cliff, I mean, Cliff just must, I think he just loves Christian Kirk. Like, it seems like he just is, what they should do is they should play Hopkins as the Hopkins, right? He should be, he should play the X and be the main guy. Isabella should replace Kirk's role where he is the clear out nine route guy. And then they rotate uh, Fitzgerald, Kirk, and Keyshawn Johnson in the possession wide receiver role. And and then have Kirk be Hopkins' direct backup, and but they will never do that. It's gonna be it's gonna be Isabella as Kirk's direct backup, and then the guy who spells Hopkins whenever Hopkins needs, you know, to take a couple plays off or whatever. That's exactly what's gonna be, which is brutal. I don't know why they hate Isabella, man. It's it's crazy. 
Even like anytime he they've given him snaps, he's been he's he's made a play. I mean, and then you see even last week that Keyshawn Johnson comes back and he out snaps him, out targets him, and then has what two catches or twenty yards on seven targets. Like, uh, like I said, I told we were joking for the show. I said I hope he doesn't get Janice. <laughs> I just, I mean, I really hope that. I'm, but it, like the thing about him is that he was a second round pick, pick too, yeah. same as he Kirk. So. The t- and, and he was like a cliff hand-picked guy. So I think that every game that he is out on the field and every game that he plays better, I actually think it makes it more likely for, for them to play him. So I'm on Arizona, minus three. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about that one. What, uh, what's your number three? Uh, I, I, Arizona was my three, too, so <laughs> we can skip that. All right, uh, then you're I – I think we are probably going to be lined up here then. Oh, yeah, I think we yeah. are then. We have uh, – we both have Buffalo and Seattle as our one and two. Yep. Yeah. All right, I'll let, uh, I'll let, you, I'll let you go off the top. Well, which one do you like more? I like, I like uh, Buffalo a little bit more just because it's three instead of six. Yeah, I mean, I like the, the spot for Seattle just in general just because – so I had joked, I think, in week one that just – uh, you know, these trend bets, like we don't always sink our teeth into them, but, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, since 2012, uh, Eastern time zone, NFL best 22 and nine, 17, seven and two against spread. They've won nine games in a row in the Eastern time. zone. they were in the spot week one against the Falcons. I think we were talking about all this. Uh, they're seven, one and one against the spread in those games. Uh, and now you say like, oh yeah, well, does the game in 2014 mean anything? Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to this game, but what it says is when you have that is is a, a preparation of travel and, and, you know, having teams in these spots continuously and they, and they come out and they do what they're supposed to do in these games. They cover these games and not only do they win outright, they cover these games. So it at least speaks to something to what Pete Carroll and how they're pre- preparing this team to, you know, to travel across the country. And then Russ is just mind meltingly insane right now. It's un, it's like, unbelievable. Yeah. Like it, and it's, you know, it's hard. And it gets the Dolphins team that has just been, has been awful to start the year defensively. I mean, uh, they are dead last in yards for pass attempt allowed their 28th in completion rate allowed their 28th in yards per completion allowed kind of a bad recipe <laughs> to go against the hottest quarterback in the nfl um like you said yeah it, it is six and a half but it's under a touchdown so i think that they do still win by a touchdown although this would be a backdoor open game too because seattle's got that defense that they're you're never gonna you're always just gonna feel that uh plus you know too as much as you know i'm on fitzpatrick for as like a tournament play this week and stacking dolphins we still have the inkling of it doesn't matter. Like, he can still like turn the ball over three times too, and and give points away to to Russ and the Seahawks as well. So I mean, I'm still on the Seahawks, uh, and then you know, uh, yeah, it's just easy as that. Yeah, like I mean, they just come in, Russ just Russ just melts his face off, throws three touchdowns in the first half, and then like and then and then you know Schottenheimer and Carroll get their way, right? Like they get like they get they get to they get to get up three touchdowns, and then they're like, all right. We're, we're doing Travis Homer. We're doing Carlos Hyde. Uh, I don't know if Chris Carson will be active in this game or not. I hope he's not because I just spent a bunch of fab money on Travis Homer in a bunch of leagues <laughs> needing. Uh, not, a, not a bunch, but I need, I, I need him definitely in some leagues this week with the unexpected uh, Steelers and Titans by. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think, come on. Like, unless Fitzpatrick has, like, and we've seen him do it, right, about once every five years, Fitzpatrick will go out and just throw an absolute – uh, you know, a plus game. He'll complete seventy percent of his passes, throw five touchdowns, like just go nuclear. But uh, I, I gotta say, and and if it was gonna happen against someone, it would be happening against Seattle probably because their their secondary is terrible, which is why this line is six and not like nine and a half. 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like Jamal Adams isn't going to play. Quentin Dunbar hasn't practiced either at all uh, coming in through Thursday. Uh, we'll see if he practices today as we record this. Uh, so they could be down two more pieces. They've had the most passing yards in NFL history through three games. Uh, and just like they're just getting crushed in the secondary. So, I mean, you know that has to drive Pete crazy too with his background being the DB coach and consistently having good secondary play basically his whole tenure there. Uh, it has to be eating him alive that they can't stop the pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just that, that is, that is what it is. I, I think that this is just a line that is going to, I think it'll just feel pretty silly. Like are if Russ, the, are you on the same Dolphins trains uh, uh, this week in DFS? Are you, are you leaving it alone? Or are you just not getting involved in that? I will probably play Parker and Gasicki some, but like just the idea of playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he's like semi-popular in a week yeah. where Lamar will be like, this will probably be like the lowest Lamar is oh, owned yeah. in, in any week of DFS ever. Mahomes is going to come off what he had, I think 47 fantasy points on Monday night. And he won't even really be that owned. in like what I think is like a, an actual matchup where the Patriots might even be able to hang with them. Like the Patriots might be able to score 30 points against them and force them to go. Like I just, so I, I'm just sort of looking at it like, Sure, it's like a great theoretical spot, but there are all these other spots that are even theoretically better and like have like higher ceilings even. Yeah, we were talking about it on our show with uh, with Daigle and uh, John Daigle, and he was saying like it's these like mid price quarterbacks haven't paid off this year because the the top guys are dropping bombs right now. Like it used to be like you are so you get your seven k quarterback or six k quarterback pending site, and that those guys get you the twenty twenty five points. You're like, yeah, I smashed value and got you know sixty percent or two thirds of what the other guys produce. But the Russell Wilson's, the Dak Prescotts, uh, the Mahomes last week, those guys are dropping like thirty fives and forties now uh, to start this year. So it has even you haven't even getting like a huge edge when those guys hit value, uh, just salary value and those mid price quarterbacks. So it's been a, a an interesting start to this season because you're seeing a lot of huge games from high price quarterbacks yeah i mean that uh like the the mid the 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 cheap quarterback the mid-round quarterback like these these guys are dead like you if you're if you're rolling out to battle with uh with matt ryan and ben roethlisberger like you're getting crushed right now because dudes are dudes are dropping 40 and uh it's very it's like it's very hard to like that's a position where you just expect to, you know, kind of to be within like five to eight points on most weeks. And like when you're yeah. getting crushed by 20 at quarterback, it's uh, it's not a good scene. Yeah. And Josh so, Allen too. Like Josh Allen said, you're dropping 35 bombs every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is our, our, our final game. I mean, how, how long is that uh, uh, New Orleans Saints victory going to stick in the mind of, of the markets? Because I, I, I think that, had they lost that game in like typical Raiders fashion, they would have been seven point dogs last week against the Patriots instead of five and a half points. And they'd be four and a half points this week against the bills instead of three. This line is curious to me. I don't know if it's maybe last week too there because the bills weren't getting a lot of respect in the line last week either. Uh, but to me, the Bills just get it. I look at everything the Bills are doing, and it's not like it's not even fluky. Like, sure, some of the top end production numbers are going to come and regress, but I look at everything they're doing from a functionality stance, and they're using Josh Allen's using play action at double his career rate right now. They're using, uh, you know, shotgun more than he's ever used. They're using four wide receiver sets more than he's ever used. Like, they're using pre snap motion more than any team. Like, 
all these things are checking all the boxes like Dayball and the Bills like are they get it they understand it and I like and you see last week too they even they blow the lead but they come out and they were just woodshedding the Rams and then they give it up a little bit and then they come back and they answer granted they got a little, little help uh, you know maybe one of those calls uh, wasn't that the most egregious but uh, I just feel like the Bills get it man like they're a team that gets it and I think that their defense is better than how it has played so far and I think it will definitely look better against the you know, the Raiders here, especially missing Edwards and Ruggs and having to revert back to this like ancillary dink and dunk passing game between Waller and Renfro uh, bodes well for the Bills to kind of get back on track defensively too. But I, the, the, to me, like the Bills offense, like from a, from what they're doing tactically screams to me like, yeah, I, I'm with this. Everything they're doing, I jive with. How, uh, how many, um, how many targets for Waller? Um, you know, what's interesting is that historically the bills have been like a great, like tight end defense. And the only week they were bad in week two, they lost Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano didn't play in that game because they're a, a base, like they, they play like a base, uh, you know, defense with those guys. They, in nickel, those guys stay like linebackers, which typically doesn't happen uh, because they're good coverage guys. So the bills leave those guys out there, but they didn't have the depth to do it in week two. And like Kaseki was just killing them in the middle of the field. Uh, so, I mean, I think Waller could be a little bit of bad chalk this week at his price. Um, I don't think – I think he's got – he's always has a good floor for most weeks. But, uh, I mean, I think Renfro's the guy, man. I think Renfro's, a, I think Renfro's the guy over Waller this week. So you think that they go Renfro in the slot and, and actually just use Waller like pretty much like a, a wide receiver this week? Is, no, they're going to do or, the same thing they always do. It's where all the targets are going to be within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. But even that game against the Saints, Waller was only running like like flat routes. And like he wasn't doing anything special. Like it was the, the Saints never adjusted. And Malcolm Jenkins is horrible. Um, he's just a big – he's a big dude. He's just a know, big maybe, dude, so he's I hard for with, linebackers to cover. I think with Waller, for me, it's always hard for me to go to Waller and whenever he's super popular is because um he's like he is like the tyler boyd and like dj Moore gene or like he just doesn't get the types of targets i value like he gets a lot of volume but i'm just like this dude's like very low odds to ever score a touchdown and like he gets like really like not a bunch of yak he gets yak based on his depth of target it's like a byproduct like a running back but like he's not like out here like shedding tackles and like getting like 60 yard gains um, but I don't know. Last time I said it too, uh, you know, we talked about Kaseki, he torched him. So maybe Waller goes nuts, but uh, it's going to go just those two guys though. Regardless, it's going to be them throwing passes to Waller and Renfro. <laughs> I mean, they're not throwing to Nelson Aguilar here. So I actually think there's a chance they do. I, I think that like the, the, the Raiders, White, they're going to line up <laughs> Aguilar. And no, not, not Nelson Aguilar, but, but like Zay Jones or uh, <laughs> they, they have another who's, they have another wide receiver there. Like, but like, I can just see also, I can see them throwing like 32 passes and only targeting Waller like eight times. And he's just this like horrible DFS shock. And it's just brutal. I mean, my problem whenever he's just t- chalk and this expensive, like Waller to me is great. Like I brought up DJ Moore. Like when you look at DJ Moore's price this week, I'm like, yeah, that's when I want to have DJ Moore. I don't want to have DJ Moore when he's 7K. I want to have him when he's 56K. And like Waller's, is, like, it's obvious like he's a player and he's made that jump because he just has such low touchdown odds. And man, it's so hard, man. Like he has to, to get a ceiling only on receptions and yardage. Is, it's a rough way to live in DFS, man. Um, yeah, you got to you got to get the touchdowns. I, I just struggle with the guys that get targets like that, like near line of scrimmage, not a lot of end zone targets. Yeah, you hate DJ Moore, you really do. And I, I, don't I hate someday him, you'll just, you need to apologize to him. 
I don't hate him. I like him. I actually, he, I, he's, I think, a lock in DK this week in my cash core. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I just don't like the guy. I just think that those guys are overvalued when you look at the types of targets they get um, for, a fa- for fantasy ceiling stance. And I, I play fantasy for the ceiling, man. I'm, I'm like that. I, I, like, I like the ceiling. I'm always going to get roped into the ceiling. Yeah, well, me too, but I, I see, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to think more about water this week. So, everyone, that's, uh, that's the bets for this week. We're feeling we're – feel, I, feel, I feel a little bit better after talking through some of those. I do think – I think the Seahawks and the Bills are pretty strong ones. Maybe even toss those into a, a, little, a little two-teamer, a little, a little parlay. I, I, I don't mind that one at all. Uh, all right, Rich. Tell people about uh, about the pre snap reads, sharp angles, the the worksheet, all the all the good stuff over at Sharp Football. Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can read the worksheet. Now this is kind of when I kind of hit. I feel like I always hit my stride in season uh, because I'm more of someone that that uses the the, the trends and stuff, stuff, things that are happening right now. And now that we're starting to build up a sample size. Uh, we're starting to figure out what these players and teams are, and that, that kind of helps now. And everyone's kind of let, let go of some of their priors, their off-season priors by this point. Uh, so definitely go check out the worksheet, doing some DFS stuff, doing the pre-snap motion podcast with Chad Scott, doing a Sharp Angles podcast with Cleve Gay and Dan Pazuda, where we kind of do game breakdowns and do some sports betting stuff as well. So check all that stuff out. And then, uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm for four weeks or four weeks here. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, we, we, we've been crushing it. This is one of my favorite shows to do every week. Thank you uh, so much for coming on, Rich. Everyone, thank you for listening, and we will uh, hopefully be back next week. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.